were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. Daydream Believers Podcast. I am your host, Spacerfin18. And today we are talking about Clean because, you know, that's what we always talk about. Um, but we're going to kind of look at big picture Clean. We're going to kind of look at the whole story and kind of look at, you know, what worked and what didn't work and how does this all fit together and does it all fit together and kind of, you know, just now that we're past the wedding episode and Clayne's story is mostly tied up except for the little ep- bit of epilogue, I thought it would be fun to kind of just take a look back at this whole journey. So um, today I've got with me so some guests here who love Clayne as much as I do and would love to talk about it. So let me in- let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Mel, um, 47, Mel47 on Tumblr. Um, and since it's Mother's Day where I am at the moment, just a shout out to all the mums in our fandom, biological or otherwise, and also to our fandom mum, Space Orphan, who is keeping Aww. us as a What a smell. It's such a sweetheart. <laughs> Mel is like a fandom mom too, though. Don't don't even. Oh my gosh, you guys! Oh, you are all my lovely, wonderful children, and I love you all. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah, we're we're talking about this whole big arc. Wait, wait. You need to introduce myself. (gasps) Julia, so sorry. (laughs) Do you know what? That is such a mom thing. No, I'm not a fandom mom. Second child. (laughs) I feel Clearly, I have a favorite child, child right here. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta leave this in. I'm sorry, Julia. Hi, I'm Julia, also redheaded Gleek on Tumblr. Um, I'm feeling a little bit like a redheaded stepchild right now. 
<laughs> and I, I love Julia so much. Oh my gosh. And, and she steps in right at the last second because we had a few people who had to drop out. And I just feel like a horrible person. I'm a bad parent. I should not be a parent. And now you've so. got, now you've got, I'm assuming because of your name that you're actually a redhead, which means you've got two redheaded guests on the show. I am a redhead, yeah. Do you? <laughs> yes, I'm a redhead Mel, too. I didn't know you yeah. were a redhead, Mel. Yep. Yes. Oh my goodness. This is just the redheaded stepchild of yep. the <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Man. Rangers, as they're referred to here. They're called at what? We get called rangers. Rangers? Rangers, as in orangutan. Rangers, the color of our oh, hair. Oh, rangers. <laughs> I have heard that one before. Yeah, I've never heard that before either. Yeah, it came oh. from a, a television show here years ago. And it stuck. Interesting. Yeah. I'm really fond of redheads. My mom is a redhead. So I just grew up with redheads. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm so sorry, Julia. It's okay. okay. I will let you talk first. <laughs> um, All right. So uh, looking, we've got this clean story. We've been through pretty much all of the episodes now. <laughs> we're looking at this big, you know, we're 10 years after the show ended. We're uh, sorry, started. We're, uh, yeah, I think this is also the, the anniversary of the 10 year airing date. May 19th. May, wait, which one was it? May 19th. 19, so I'm still a little bit off, but mm-hmm. um, we're four years out from the show ending, mm-hmm. um, and we've got this arc, and now that we're this far from it, when we look at the whole thing, let me start off with this question. What do you guys think of it as a whole? As a, this starts with never been kissed, ends with dreams come true, what do you guys think? I overall was very satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there were areas, particularly in season three, where it would have been a little bit nice to have more focus on their story during that period of time. It always it felt, particularly in season three, that there was, you know, an episode here and an episode there with just little morsels that, you know, fandom took and explored because there wasn't much more than that. And and then we got more as time went on, and we were very greedy and wanted more and more and more. I certainly wanted more and more and more. But when I look at the overall arc and how things developed, I really, I'm still very happy about it. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, if you were to sort of just, let's actually just take the clean stuff out and all the other stuff that annoyed us because it wasn't clean stuff and we wanted it to be clean stuff. It's actually, a, it's a pretty solid story. It, it, it makes sense. There's highs, there's lows. Um, the characters grow and develop within that story. Um, and then we get, we get that beautiful ending that we, we always wanted for the two of them. So um, I think it, it makes sense as a whole. Um, we might not have been happy at times, <clears throat> breakup, but um, <laughs> it's a really good story and that sort of lightened some of the things when I was sort of putting down some notes for this this podcast it sort of you know it made you realize we were pretty lucky with what we got mm-hmm. yeah I I think one of my favorite things about the clean story as a whole is the fact that it's, it's really satisfying it's not like like we got and and we'll talk about the different segments in a minute but like we got these different chunks we got like the first like it's like a volume couple of volumes of stories because we've got the first like 
the season two stuff, which was like volume one, and then we get the season three stuff, which is, you know, really thin little piece of paper. And then like season four <laughs> breakup stuff and like season five. And we get these like volumes of stuff. Yeah. So I feel like we didn't get just one story. We got a collection of like four or five little stories about these characters tied up into one big bundle. And it's kind of like reading a series or something. And uh, yeah, as you guys have said, there's other things that are, we wanted to do differently or we weren't completely 100% satisfied with. And we'll talk about those in a bit. But it's um, it's just fun. It's kind of like reading a really good book or book series and then getting mm-hmm. to the end and being like, yeah, that was good. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. So. Yeah. A, a good book series that lasted for six years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we just and we got to see their pretty faces instead of having to imagine them in our in our minds. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, let's start. Let's start at the beginning. And um, <laughs> I've got this broken up. <laughs> really, I thought we could actually start with season three. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> poor Mel's going to hear all my rants again. Um, <laughs> so. Let's start with season two. Um, season two, okay. I've kind of broken up into the pre-dating portion and the post-dating portion. But when I really was thinking about it earlier today, it's kind of <laughs> one big story. And it's kind of um, born out of Kurt's story, really. Yeah. Um, it is part of uh, the whole claim portion to me is Kurt's story about him falling in love and, and finding acceptance and being gay. And the claim part of it is part of that. It's I don't necessarily yeah. see season two as the absolute claim story. I see it as a Kurt story with Blaine added into that, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Kurt's, it's to me sort of in the sections that you had, like that predating section, it's like that's the, the romantic comedy set up it's the kurt is our protagonist um blaine's the 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 guy that they're going to get at the end and things like that and we've got and it's it's kurt's story and it's he's just playing a role in it and it's really and sort of from what i'm thinking it's not really until season four that it starts to separate and become kurt and blaine and claim mm-hmm. um it's blaine is a part of kurt's story from from in season three as well um he doesn't get to become a real boy until a little bit later. Um, but in terms of... True. Yeah, I don't that? think I really sat and thought about how pretty much all of Blaine's story during season three is related around Kurt. Mm-hmm. He, only, he gets big brother and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> back to the season two. I mean, the pre-dating, the, the Never Been Kissed to original song, I mean, it is amazing. We would never mm. have fallen for the two of these characters as much as we did or be rooting for them as much as we did if it wasn't well established during this time. Right. Um, we, yeah, I mean, we had our, we loved Kurt um, and then they introduced this character who was that amazing sort of playoff for that character. And we've got these two sweet dumbasses with the unresolved sexual tension and the angst and the, and um, <laughs> before they finally get together and it's just, it was that, oh. It was just like a great romantic, you know, I love those movies. I'm a sucker for those movies. And that's why I fell in love with these two characters because that's that's how it was played out. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. 
I think it's also fascinating to me that this is almost like this beginning claim stuff is also a sequel to the original Kurt arc. So, cause you got this original Kurt arc with his dad and, and, you know, kind of being okay with being gay. And then this is like, we've got all this establishment. And I think going into it, like I, I, it might've worked if it just was right off the bat, but I think what helped sell it is that we've got this character that we're already, you know, we've already seen the first movie and now we we're really invested and we're going to, you know, sit and we've been told that they're going to develop it and bring in a new character. And I think, you know, by the time they brought Blaine in, you just wanted Kurt to be happy and succeed and everything. And then it's just kind of this magical like time. And it's crazy. Like I was thinking about like, this is what happens in this first, you know, they, they meet, after Kurt's been sexually assaulted, which is kind of crazy. And then they have a duet together. And then Blaine decides he's kind of in love with this guy and then kisses Rachel. And then there's a dead bird. And then they get together. And <laughs> when you like squish it all together, it's bizarre. Like what kind of storytelling is this? But the fact that it, there's such a magical chemistry here between um, Kurt and Blaine and the fact that Blaine is you know, jumps off the screen in a way that a lot of the other side characters don't always do on this show. Mm-hmm. And that you're rooting for them and you're rooting for Kurt. We're all Kurt. We're all just a little in love with Blaine here. And it's it's just new and fresh. And it is, I, I can see why this is kind of the golden age of Clayne, really. Even before they get together, even up to the original song, is this kind of like crazy, magical, mystical, will they, won't they movie tropish romance rom-com stuff and it's just phenomenal and it was also set up really well by them introducing sam a couple of episodes before because there had been rumors that kurt was going to get a boyfriend and then you know they cast sam and cord overstreet to play him and then that episode happened where cord says no i'm not gay and ends up dating quinn And so you had this whole thing where you saw Kurt getting disappointed yet again. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of episodes later, we introduced Blaine and you can see Kurt going, oh, here we go again. Only over several episodes, you see him actually get the boy for the first time. Mm -hmm. I wonder... Oops, sorry, but go ahead. I still remember actually watching that moment because it was like one of the very few episodes I actually watched with a friend. Who who loved the show as well, um, and we like we screamed when they kissed. Like there was this like because it had been <laughs> such a build. I was like, oh my god! Like and then you know, we, it was it was built up to that moment so wonderfully. They mm-hmm. did, you know, and I know it's kind of funny because it's only ten episodes, and Blaine's not even in all of those ten episodes. Um, mm-hmm. But just this, it, yeah, like this slow build, like. Uh, do you guys think let's do some hypotheticals here do you guys think that had this been a season one thing right out the gate kurt's there and then blaine is a character already um do you guys think it would have worked not as much because we wouldn't we didn't have a year behind us with kurt we didn't have Kurt's story what he'd been through how difficult he found things how alone he actually felt um because that was part of the magic of him finding Blaine. It was somebody who who liked him for the way that he was, who who fit with him and those sorts of things. If it was, you know, straight away in the, you know, those first couple of episodes, you know, Kurt comes across as a completely different character. 
mm-hmm. um, we hadn't like we weren't I wasn't as invested in Kurt at the very like, start of season one as I was at season two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I certainly fell in love with Kurt over the course of the year I'm yeah. trying to think about what it would be like if you know Kurt and Blaine was set up the same as Finn and Rachel and mm-hmm. Will and Emma you know who were the two main love interests of that first year you know first in the first 13 episodes when they both got together and then dealt with it in the last 13 episodes of that first season of how that would have would their relationship felt kind of as I don't know a a little campy like both of those relationships are Mm -hmm. well I also wonder something that you know and I'll just speak for myself but um, one of the reasons I love Clayne so much is that they were born out of a friendship. You have mm-hmm. two characters who, yes, Kurt is obviously very smitten with Blaine at the beginning. And and Blaine does have some underlying feelings, too. But they grew out of a really good friendship. And I, I feel like a lot of times, especially it happens more so in movies than TV because TV has the time to do the build up. But you get like... You know, the hot guy and hot girl, and they're like, wow, we're hot. Let's have sex with you, you know. And you're like, why do we care if these people hook up or not? Like, who cares? And with with Kurt and Blaine, you get this really, you understand why they like each other. You understand, you know, they've both been in through similar things. They both have some really experiences. They both are attracted to each other. And yet they have this friendship. They go out and do the same things. They like the same things. And it's very fulfilling, at least to me. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the yeah. only thing the only thing that did not work in this section um, was the fact that their first duet after getting together was fucking candles. <laughs> but. Well, let's talk about that real quick. They the um, not necessarily candles, but um, the duets that they got. They they have you know, baby, it's cold outside, which. So many people hate that song. It's not date rapey. I will, whatever. That's we do that. Talk about that on the that episode. But um, you know, a lot of people are like, really, they're gonna sing that? Um, they've got like some strange musical choices in this first, you know, portion of stuff together. I mean, if you guys have ever listened to Katy Perry's version of Teenage Dream, it's not really the like. It's kind of <laughs> sleazy. You're like, really? Um, but. <laughs> There are all of these magical musical moments mm-hmm. that I think also helps this couple be so epic and so wonderful. And like you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to know more about these people. Yeah, yeah, they they manage to become epic despite some very interesting musical choices. <laughs> And again, like I said earlier, storyline choices. I mean, like, Blaine's going to sing to a dude in the gap and then make out with Rachel. Like, what is going on here? But I also like the fact that, you know, because we've seen Kurt go through the stuff with, you know, Finn and go with the stuff through Sam and Blaine, you know, even, you know, with the Jeremiah and Rachel stuff, yeah, they're each other's first loves, but they've had other experiences, you know, liking other people and dealing with heartbreak and they're able to come, you know, they're not 
the first everything and everything, um, right. even though the show likes to portray it as that. But, um, yeah. but even from the, I mean, even from this very beginning, and again, I think it is because of your point that they were friends. They have always felt much more mature to me as a couple than Finn and Rachel mm-hmm. and even Will and Emma. And and pretty much most of the other, I mean, you know, Brittany and Santana were friends, but that was, we didn't really get to see them develop in the same way. There's a lot of things that I, you know, with Brittany stuff, I feel a little bit uncomfortable with, like, kind of the manipulating that was going on or the mean-spiritedness that was going on. And, and, and you know, Kurt and Blaine are both good characters. I mean, mm-hmm. p- past the like yeah they were written well but like they were also good people like you would want to know them in real life i have no desire to like know somebody like santana or Brittany in real life so. <laughs> Brittany could be interesting. you probably do Brittany <laughs> would be interesting Brittany would be interesting to know uh, santana's not the kind of energy i need in my life <laughs> <laughs> no um so so looking at just for a second looking at just the the Never Been Kissed Through original song. We've talked on the podcast and through all of these things, really, you know, the anthem as a whole really loves the section of the story. But let me throw this out. Do you think there's anything in here that you guys, other than candles, uh, doesn't really work? Do you think there's anything that when you're looking back and you're going, well, maybe this isn't as great as I thought it was, or maybe this is something that, like... Yeah, maybe fandom just as you know heightening. Or do you think that you know this really is the best portion of their story? I wouldn't. I, look, I I don't think there's one portion that stands out as the best, and I can talk about it at the end. I think there's three portions uh-huh. of their story which stand out as the strongest, and mm-hmm. this is one of them. Um, because we wouldn't have their story, we wouldn't have them if this wasn't presented in the way that it was. Um, so as a whole, I think that it does does work. We, you know, we um, and I can't really think of anything that I really didn't like during this time. There, there was certainly I, I've been rereading some very old fan fiction written from season two, like as season two was developing. And there certainly was a lot of frustration around how long it was taking them to get together at that time, which now looking back, it doesn't feel like that long. Again, you said 10 10 episodes episodes. where Mm -hmm. Blaine isn't in a bunch of those episodes. Um, And so, yes, looking back, I think, I think it all worked, you know, even Blaine's brief flirtation with, Rachel and with the um, Gap guy, it worked, you know. We have all kinds of fan fiction and fan vids all related around those early moments um, because it caused, it created just a little bit of friction that worked in terms of getting them together. Yeah. I don't think it, I mean, in fact, I don't see it as, I think the timing of it works per, like really well. I don't think it's too long at all. In terms of no, build, I don't either. Getting that built, like I'm thinking about other shows where I've watched, and we're seasons in, and these couple these characters are still not together, and we're like, the come X-Files. on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> and so you know the fact that we've it might have felt really long at the time. I don't know if there was any sort of hiatus. I can't even. Oh yeah, that. I'm sure. I mean, like we say ten episodes, but I'm trying to think. 
Blame when you're that. actually watching that week, when yeah, you're watching that week blame. by week, it's a totally different feeling. Now so I don't think get... of it, yeah, it isn't even that bad because Blaine was introduced in November, and I mean, I guess, yeah, like it's in March. So even then, it wasn't. It just being a part of fandom things seems like like that. Well, and yeah. we'll talk about the break between the breakup and the role you were going to play in that four weeks that felt like hell because it just yeah. lasts forever. Um, but yeah, it isn't even. That it's long. like the lost fandom who freaked out over the tailies going, they're taking too long. And it was literally three episodes and then they were all gone. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's a that's a story for another day. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, you know, and even me who gets I get like critical and whiny about things. I think some stuff that really worked, you get, you know what, you know, I, I think what else really helped it is that they were isolated. Instead of mm-hmm. having them be in McKinley, and we're going to see what happens when they end up in McKinley together, you get a storyline for Kurt and additionally Blaine in their own little world and in their own little storyline, which not very many people, I mean, like Rachel's there every once in a while and Will shows up randomly once, and but... For the most part, Curtin Blaine are on this island of or Dalton for these ten episodes, and just getting the focus of that by themselves, uh, I think, helped it. I mean, they uh-huh. weren't interrupted constantly by constant drama. It wasn't, you know, like I said, we'll just talk about season three in a minute. But um, <laughs> I think helping it, yeah, it was just being able to focus on their story. And I think it's also, I think the only bad thing was that expectations were so high. I post that when Kurt returns, you, unless you were going to do something where they were both together in that place. And the the story was focused on Kurt. We, I guess we just weren't going to get that. The show didn't want to go back there, but um, we didn't know that then. So. No. It is. It is certainly an, an an interesting choice taking Kurt away from the hyper realism of the Glee world of you know the high school and putting him in this very private, secluded, fan fiction ripe area, and <laughs> you know, like the fan, gay Hogwarts, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, creating, giving him a boy who's like every fantasy come to life, and you know, having them get together away from all of that portion of Glee that is so sur- surreal. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, just things to think about. <clears throat> um, and you know, it's also interesting. How do you feel? Because we get, I, I, you know, I know, and we've talked about it on the podcast how to incorporate it, but we do get a very different Blaine at the beginning of this story. And um, it's interesting to look to see how that fits in. You know, again, it's one of those, well, what would have happened, like, if Blaine, if Darren had played Blaine younger from the very beginning, would have it worked, you know, or, you know, if they had actually had Blaine as a, as a younger character, I don't know, just. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, 
probably of the opinion that I don't think that Blaine changes all that much from season two to season three, personally. Um, but I realize that I'm in the minority there, so. Um, kind of going to the back half of season two, though, which is interesting, because the one thing about season two that I think it does better than any other season is that they take an entire season even better i'll even argue this is better than season one and they braid these storylines through the entire season um and it, it does feel like one big narrative even with the even with stories i don't even like in the rest of the show but um <laughs> season two i think was probably some of the solidest writing so the second half even though there's a dynamic change it still feels like the same part of the story but the thing about the end of this, from original song to New York, you get this heightened. The whole thing is, as I've always said, is this kind of fairy tale romance, and I think it just reaches its apex in in prom queen, and then there's a little bit of epilogue of the first "I Love You" is in New York, but it is a very beautiful and complete story um, mm-hmm. when you put them both together. Yep. Yeah, I would, um, I would agree with that. It's really. Uh, and really well woven thread through that entire storyline. I really like it. And like Prom Queen is just like the best. Like that will always be um, my favorite. But <laughs> but something I was just sort of thinking about. It's like I um I feel like in terms of the structure, in terms of the story, as you said, this is the fairy tale. Um, this is their fairy tale romance, and that moment in Prom Queen is the pinnacle of the romantic comedy. Um, I feel like it kind of mirrors to dance with somebody. It's sort of the same part, same area in the season. But mm-hmm. dance with somebody is when they start to get hit with that realism, with the real world. Um, yeah. And that, you know, and I sort of never sort of thought about it that way, but I'm like, oh, they kind of like sit really well as a pick because they're two sort of, they're two clean episodes. Mm-hmm. They sit really well as a pair. So from this moment where it, you know, the heightened romance, the fairy tale, they're in nothing nothing can can get them because they're together to that that juxtaposition of hang on a second. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. No, as in that's them sort of saying, hang on a second, outside these walls, um, you know, you know, maybe, you know, it's not this fairy tale. There's real world out there, there's actual issues and problems that we're gonna actually have to deal with. Um, that they don't they don't really get faced with until that point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Actually, that's a really interesting. I've never really thought of that before, but that's a really interesting juxtaposition mm. of episodes. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about pairing those episodes together. I mean, I've always, looking back, you know, compared original song and then the episode where Dalton burns and everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, how how could they destroy Dalton?" And part of it was me going, well, that's part of the claim story of we got together as a fairy tale and now we're going to go into the world as a real world outside of, you know, fa- facing reality. Well, and it's interesting you were bringing up parallels because when I'm looking back, when you look at season one, Kurt's big episodes are episodes 16, 18, and 20. Um which are home, uh, I call them the Kurt trifecta. It's home, laryngitis, and, and theatricality. So then you get the Klein trifecta in season. It's even 
Flame really isn't in 18, but, um, you know, with original song Born This Way and and uh, Prom Queen. Uh-huh. And um, so there's like, Glee loves its parallels. Glee loves doing things, you know, similarly where they can. So, um, yeah, you can tell that they're doing a, this is why I feel like the season two Kurt slash Clayne story feels like a, a sequel to the original Kurt story but mm-hmm. you're right there's stuff that moves forward as well which connects it really well um yeah so. but it's like it's still it's still Kurt's story at this point um sorry that was my phone um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's still it's still Kurt's story with Blaine being playing a role in that um as opposed to the two of them. Okay. Well, and here's the interesting thing. Had you, let's say Glee had two seasons and we end with season two. I think that you have a full story there. Yeah. Now I am grateful for so many things we got afterwards, but you know, you can really take, excuse me, Kurt's storyline and the clean arc of season two. And it feels satisfying as a narrative. Um, mm-hmm. At least to me. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. yeah, you have the crush, the friendship, the moving to declared feelings, and then at the end you have your commitment of love. I mean, that's all all you want, you know? It's a Disney movie right there. <laughs> With lots of music. <laughs> uh-uh. Um, I mean, yeah, like I've, people have pointed out before that even the musical choices um, uh, make a complete story arc as well, even if, with the strange kind of strange um, choices. But here's even more so because there are some interesting ways that the story goes and that the first dating part of it, like I said, with the, the Jeremiah and the Rachel thing. But with the last couple episodes, I feel like. Like, they just nail it. Like, they just, bam, original song, bam, Born This Way, bam, Prom Queen, mm-hmm. bam, New York. And it just feels so, like, on point. And I don't know if there's anything that I would really change about any of that. I uh-uh. think everything is done so beautifully and so well. No, it, it worked really well. I mean, would I have said no to more scenes? Absolutely not. But what we got was really great. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, granted, it's no Sue locking them in an elevator. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but yeah, it just, it's kind of funny because, like, one of the harder things I think about talking about season two and, and, and you know, looking at clean as a story. When it works, it's harder to, like, because we've talked at length in the episodes about why it works and the specific things that work, but it's kind of like, okay, well, it it works, and it sometimes is not as, um, sometimes it's not as interesting to talk about because you're like, well, there's not anything I'd change. This is beautiful, and and we love Uh it. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? I don't know. Uh So, um, I mean, what what we would change is that, like, you know, having Glee aired on, like, HBO. So yeah. you get actual sexy time, not just implied sexy time. <laughs> it's what we would change. 
Um, you know what else I think they did really well that I, as we're going to talk about in season three, the thing about season two, and I think this is why it's so glaringly missing in season three, you get the, you get Glane, you get Glane. Wow. That's great. <laughs> you get Blaine being very touchy feely. You get the two of them really being in each other's spaces uh-huh. in a way we're not, we're going to stop seeing because of reasons and i i think that just adds to the magic and to the frustration moving on but like here you know because they are all in all of their scenes together i think that i'm trying to think i think the first time blaine doesn't have a scene with kurt is in sexy when he goes to talk to bert if i'm mistaken no i think you're right yeah so they're with each other all the time. And for the most part, all of Blaine's screen time is with Kurt. Um, and again, when we're just looking at it as like a, you know, a rom-com fairy tale romance movie, it works. Um, but it's going to feel disjointed going forth when they're going to start to be their own individual characters. And um, yeah. So, uh-huh. Yeah, that that might be that might be why season three felt a little off was because right while they spend time together, they're no longer completely in each other's sphere. Mm-hmm. They weren't even in Glee's sphere. Like they didn't <laughs> they weren't in Glee's sphere either. <laughs> that too. Um, so but yeah, I. Yeah, we get the bubble goes away. Yeah. And they get thrown into everybody else's drama. And because they're not having dramas, because it's still the honeymoon period, that's why we don't see them, because it's Glee. and It's Glee. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I feel like it's Glee has, you know, and I just, I feel like I've never had actually anybody yell at me about this, but I feel like you guys all groan when I say it. Like, if you look at Finchel and you look at Wemma, they have specific arcs that Clayne actually ends up doing as well later on in this series. Uh-huh. Um, and people are like, what is wrong with this? Nobody's, you know, why are they doing this to Clayne? I'm like, this is because this is how they do their romance stories. They right. are really incapable of writing couples who are together and um, having issues within the relationship. A lot of Glee's relationship drama happens because cheating or, breaking up and then getting back together and they like telling the getting together stories and the, I mean, they don't really even do a whole lot of breakup stories. It's just, they're broken up suddenly and now we're going to get back together with somebody else. And anytime there's a couple on screen, a lot of times like, like look at Tina and Mike who got like no story and they were like the longest running couple for a very long time. Um, They just shove them in the back. I mean, Uh Look at Finchel when they were together, they were always having issues and they were always having drama. They weren't ever allowed to just be a nice functional couple because drama. So they'd get maybe a half an episode where they could be a nice functioning couple. Maybe. <laughs> so um, okay, so kind of moving from season two. Um, season three was interesting to try and divvy up. I was trying to break it up into sections and it doesn't doesn't work as nicely so some of the stuff is a little bit because there's definitely breaks in the season but the clean arcs 
there's not really a clean arc in it's season three. So, uh, clean gets episodes. <laughs> um, very special episodes. Very special episodes. <laughs> so I kind of broke it up in a, in kind of a. Okay, so let's the first half of the season. We can kind of look at this first half of the season. We get the Purple Piano Project, which doesn't uh-huh. have as much clean in it as you might remember. We get the first time, and then we get um, we get uh, the Christmas episode, which has more clean stuff on the cutting room floor so i kind of count it as a because we get some extra stuff um but for the most part that's all the kind of claim we get excuse me i'm sorry and i feel like yeah coming out of this you know bubble of this really great season two story this stuff's feeling like a story and it starts feels starts feeling like you know this every character in season three they, they go through this like revolving door of you get an episode here and you get an episode here and you get an episode here um and because of that we stop getting these long arcs it feels like we just get these moments in time yeah did they like hire new writers they did in season three as well they did. And there are some long-running stories in season three. Like I said, it breaks. Um, it goes Purple Piano Project to hold on to somebody or hold on to 16. Mm-hmm. And then nine, which I'm blanking. It was just Christmas episode through On My Way because that's regionals. And then the ending stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get, you know, there are story arcs that over arc and Kurt gets a lot of this is, I think, one of the other issues that started to play a, a role here is the fact that Kurt now is a big character. Um, but instead of giving him his own focal point and his own um, his own thing to do, he is now the B character in Rachel's story. And because he's now the B character in Rachel's story, that bumps Blaine down to C character. Um, and... We just pull out Clayne when we feel like we need to do a very special sex episode or something like that. Or they they pull out Blaine when they want to sell a single. Yeah. I mean, Blaine's very... Blaine doesn't get much to do at all in... Especially that first portion. But then he goes off and he does Broadway, so he's not very much in the second portion. Um, I don't know if... It's kind of interesting. I'm trying to think about it. Like, we all talk about the censorship thing, but I also think, like, Darren did a movie. Darren did Broadway. I don't think that, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, Blaine brings in money for this songs. And, yes, Clean was huge, but I also feel like the writers didn't take Blaine as seriously as a character. Um, It feels like they're like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, it's just. They didn't because he's still there just to – he's a prop in Kurt's story yeah. at this point. Um, and because- he doesn't, doesn't get his own story until Big Brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we start to get those more glimpses into him, to the type of person that he is with his um, – so, yeah, he's still very much just a part of Kurt's story. And mm-hmm. because, and as you said, because Kurt is now a part of Rachel's story, <laughs> they, yeah. they're getting down. 
Exactly. I also think that Blaine started becoming a real character when they decided they they you sometime in the middle of season three, they were like, What are we gonna do for season four? And they started making these plans, and I think that's the point where they thought they were they figured like, oh, we'll break them up and we'll send Kurt to New York because Rachel and Blaine can be a real character. And when they made the decision to make Blaine a real character, um, while it started to break all of our hearts in the Clane part of it, I think it was better for Blaine's character. Because oh, okay. all of this stuff Definitely. in this beginning section outside of the Purple Piano Project and the first time and the Christmas episode, there's not a whole lot going on. No. I mean, we get his dynamics with Finn. Mm-hmm. They, we get, they, that, that never really eventuated. Like, it was, yeah, like, that yeah. could have been an interesting story, but it was just mm-hmm. a glimpse here and there that there was really just a little glimpse of it really, on. And yeah. that was just resolved really easily. And I was like, okay, so the point of that was yeah, um, well, a lot of things. show that fit, what Finn can be a dick. Is that what they wanted to yeah. show? Like, <laughs> oh. well, we already knew that. But, um, but yeah, like, or, like, the stuff with the play. Like, that could have been yeah. something. I mean, I'm glad there wasn't a lot of tension out of it between the two of them. I'm glad they resolved pretty easily. But it also, you know, at the end of episode two, it's like, oh, my God, Blaine's trying out. And then it's like, the next day, oh, they're fine. There's nothing. There's no story yeah. there. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we, which we, I, I, I mean, it felt a little bit like they were trying to contrast it between how their relationship was working and someone who is high drama of Rachel and Finn. So that was part of it was, you know, trying to build this up of, oh, are we going to have conflict and we're going to be there more mature about things. So it's not, Mm. but it does mean that those stories get dropped much more quickly than Finn and Rachel's stories did. Yep. Because they weren't high drama. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting is that I feel almost like the first time feels almost like a mini, I mean, in the stuff that's kind of the early season, little bit of early season when stuff that we get is almost like a little epilogue ish stuff to the fairy tale story that was season two, like them sleeping together was like the culmination, like that was that almost feels like an ending in itself, even though it, 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 I don't even know if that makes any sense, but I feel like, you know, once we get past the first time, there's a different story that's going to be told. Um, I, I feel like, you know, they are very much as characters on the same page and really like still in this honeymoon era and whatnot. And once we get past the first time, they're going to be on different paths. They're going to be in different places. It's all going to lead up into the breakup stuff. And they're not really going to get their footing on, to be on until they're not going to be on the same page really again until they get to season six, which I think is kind of an interesting thing. So you would see that as the epilogue rather than the beginning. It can be both. But I yeah, I mean it's it's the beginning of their adult relationship and it's the ending of this like romantic teen thing that's going mm-hmm. on. I don't necessarily think it's like sex specifically that like, you know, starts them on this path or whatever, but like I think that, you know, the first time kind of works as this point in the narrative where, um, you know, it, it kind of goes, it's, they start, stop 
kind of being the like fairy tale teenage relationship and it starts being this the adult relationship um and not necessarily you know i mean yes sex can do that but i mean next time we get a real good episode it starts to be on the path to the breakup and it starts to be all of this you know communication issues and all of you know these growing up pains and the breakups and getting back together and still not being on the same page and um and it's really gonna last until like i feel like there's this one big arc of season two and then there's another big arc that's totally long game that starts you know, in in the first time, and it goes all the way to the end of season six. Yes, that's, yeah. So that's I, I definitely feel like the the end of season three, um, or the middle of season three, carries on through all of season four and five. Yeah, that their problems were set up then and. Um, Glee definitely has problems with um, keeping everything straight, but that always felt to me like one of their threads that they really did have their pulse on because it seemed to be important through the entire their entire storyline until the end. Mm-hmm. And while you might not think that this the sex is the transformative thing, Ryan, Ian, and Brennan definitely <laughs> did. And so it makes complete sense to me of them using the first time of them having sex, of it changing them and making the, their relationship into an adult relationship. Because that's what they think. And that also carries through the entire series. Let's take a, a quick look at the beginning of season three, though, and let's talk about things that we like. Let's up to the Christmas point. What what kind of things did we like, and what did we not like? Because I'm sure there's we can answer this on both sides this time. Well, I like I like obviously they didn't have a lot to do, but I liked the that they made the effort for those little background moments that we could um, see that they have fun together. Um, Mm -hmm. that they're comfortable with each other and those sorts of things. And it sucks that 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 was all we got, but I can appreciate those, those little tiny moments, the, the, the Blaine helping Kurt off the chair when they're standing up looking out through the choir room window, the, the little glance at each other during a Rachel solo. Um, (laughs) the fact that we get the stories about them singing songs to each other when they're driving in the car together. Mm-hmm. Um, those, like, little sweet, sweet moments, sort of, I, you know, you can enjoy those. The absolute romance of the first time. I mean, it was such a romantic, their first time was so romantic. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. The first time is why I'm here right now. I mean, like, I saw that for the first time, and it is what made me fall in love with the characters. So, um, a very special place for that one in my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that when Clayne was allowed to be 
Clayne and when they were allowed to develop these stories. And I, I do think when when Clayne was focused, Blaine was developed more as an individual character. I do think that the first time is as much Blaine's story as it is Kurt's. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time, Blaine gets a side character, really, like in Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And which is uh, tied to the Blaine story more than, I mean, yeah, he's antagonist to Kurt, but um, Sebastian doesn't really belong to anybody else's world. Um, and I think that, yeah, when Clayne was allowed to be Clayne, it still really worked. It just, you know, it, throughout the years, and, and a lot of people were like, you know, this is censorship and they're delivering. And I don't know. I mean, yes, I think that after the first time the network was like, okay, we're done with the sex stuff. Um, but at the same time, I think a big part of it was also Glee saying, we don't want to do this anymore. Or like, we don't want to focus. I want to, we want to focus on Finchel. We want to focus on the seniors. We want to focus on those stories you know, when it's Clayne's episode to come up, we'll do something, but we're not as interested in telling this, you know, individual love story that we did in season two. We already did that. We want to try something else. Mm-hmm. At least that's my take on it. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how much really censorship played into it more than I think Glee was such a so popular Mm -hmm. during season two. I mean, this was the water cooler conversation was Glee. Mm -hmm. It was watched by so many million people. And then that started to tumble towards the end of season two and certainly at the beginning of season three. And so I think a lot of these first episodes in particular were trying to capture some of that old glory. And so that's why Finchel and Will and Emma started ramping up again. And they were trying, it just felt like they were trying to grasp for a whole bunch of things to bring it back to how popular it was. Which is why it seemed like they moved away from, you know, the musicals of West Side Story into... Well, that was actually network story. mandate. Network so, mandated that after the the West Side Story was done, network stepped in and said, we don't want any more of this musical junk. Give us pop music. Hmm. Which, yeah. again, I think was related to falling, falling viewerships, that, and they related it to the musicals themselves, but... Mm-hmm. That's just it's really, I mean, you've got some really, really, you know, looking back on it, um, I think the worst plot lines of the entire show were in those first eight episodes of season three. At the beginning of season three has some really, really shitty uh, storylines with the Shelby Puck thing, with Quinn acting like a crazy person, with the Santana's coming out story, with the nonsense of Finchel, with having Rory even be a character. You've got mm-hmm. all of these really, really bad. Oh, the you know the coach Beast versus uh, Sue in an election that nobody cares about. Like, <laughs> or, sorry, no, for oh, a man with love They're fighting and then, a man. Yeah, um, we've got them. Let's let's create. Let's split into a second Glee club and try and split the focus between two Glee clubs. Yeah. 
So you've got all of these really bad storylines coupled with you have so many, you know, even in season two, they were able to balance their characters more. So like you have Uh these A-list characters and then the B tier and the C tier and that's how you did it. But with, you know, everybody gets a plot line now, like Mike and Uh Tina now have a plot line, which is good. They, you know, they haven't had anything, but at the same time, there's a reason why you have these tiers of characters because not everybody can have an equal amount. And so you're just... You know, one of the reasons why Clayne doesn't have, you know, that many episodes in season three, because they have to cycle through all these characters and it just yeah, happens like, to be their turn again. Oprah. Oprah's in the writer's yes. room. You have a plot line. Now you have a plot line. You're all <laughs> going to get a plot line. <laughs> so and that, that, that really was, was how the Glee project works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which you should I have watching until that moment. And I'm like, they're all getting up. What? <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> should have never happened. <laughs> Though again, that was a network mandated thing. I guess I found out that the Glee project, Fox was like, "We're doing this. You're going to get a person on their show through this. You're doing it." And Ryan Murphy at least said, "Well, if you're going to do it, I want to be involved." Yeah. Um, at the same time, oh. Ryan Murphy couldn't tell anybody no, and we ended up getting a bunch <laughs> of new characters that we didn't care about out of this, except for Unique. We got Unique. Except for Unique. Unique was <laughs> the only good to come out of that thing. I mean, Joe Hart was entertaining, but it really wasn't necessary. Except, you know, when he's getting bonus, when he's helping Quinn, that was unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so you've got a lot of... That was a really important plot line that that needed to be included in the show at the expense of... (laughs) Everything else. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, people complain about the Finchel chair scene, but I would rather take Finchel arguing about chairs than, like... Half of the other crap that ends up in season three. Um, so I feel like, you know, they're trying to juggle all of this stuff and it's just bad. And so I don't. Yeah, I wish that Clean would have had more to do. But as Mel, you said, there's a lot of background things going on. Mm-hmm. It's definitely hasn't worn out its welcome. They're still trying uh, and and, and, they, still... and the question is, if they did give them something to do, what would it have been? Like, yeah. <laughs> let's just go, okay, we'll stay away from whatever's going on in season three. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's the other thing that's like, okay, so we get to rewrite season three. And there are a lot of great fan fiction writers that do this. And that's yeah. one of the, the one benefit from having these crappy storylines is that, you know, fanfic writers really stepped it up. And we've got a really great bit of you know stories from excuse me from this time period of being people being a lot of AUs around this period and um but yeah I I don't like the farther out I am from it the more I see all of this external stuff and being like there's really what could have they done I mean unless it was going to be a story about Carton Blaine I don't know if I wanted them to have more because like then like what kind of weird love triangle would be going on? Like what kind of weird, I I feel like at least Kurt and Blaine remained mostly unscathed through this because like most of the other characters were dragged through these shitty plot lines and did not come out on the other end looking very good. So yeah. Yeah. All right, so kind of going to the the second half of season three, because Blaine is gone because Darren went off to Broadway, and when he comes back, 
we start the run towards the breakup. Mm-hmm. And we get Big Brother and we get Dance with Somebody and we get, you know, graduation and then into season four. And it's not, again, it's not a lot. Like there's little bits and pieces throughout, but I do think the narrative starts to take a slightly more interesting turn. And as much as we all hated the breakup at the time, especially, it does start to take Clayne into some more interesting territory. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was it, yeah. After, as we were talking, we've said a few times, after Dance with Somebody, like the fairy tale romance is over at this point. Um, because even, you know, after that conversation with Emma in that office, you know, even though Kurt's not willing to accept that real life is going to slap them in the face, like, he's like, no, we'll be fine. Blaine knows. And you can, yeah. you can tell with his reaction in that conversation and things like that, he knows that it's not going to be fine. It's not going to be easy and they can't just keep catching the magic train or plane from Lima to New York. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's that that's the turning point there. And as you said, yeah, the breakup um, sucks, but, you know, it's it, – um, it gave the, I understand as a narrative point of view, it works and it gives the characters an opportunity to grow. Um, and yeah, in hindsight, we can look back at it and go, no, okay, this is an important part of their story. Yeah. For, for it to, to play out the way that it does. Looking at the section, um, and I'm even going into a little bit of the season four stuff up to the breakup, mm-hmm. I think that. While the show is going to do some stuff that I absolutely hate, mm-hmm. um, the clean narrative isn't. I think I'm like it is not as bad as people think it is. Uh-uh. Don't think it is. Uh-uh. Um, Dance with somebody, Big Brother, great episodes, great you know, Cart and Blaine. Blaine is starting to become a real character. I think that's also mm-hmm. the other fascinating thing that is post-season two, after we get out of this fairy tale world and after, you know, Kurt has that that Kurt's story has kind of wrapped up in that. And again, post the first time, another reason why it feels like it's starting to be more of an adult love story, et cetera, et cetera, is that Blaine starts to be an equal person and an equal character equally developed character in this relationship, but it's no longer feeling one-sided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. He's not just Kurt's boyfriend, romantic interest. You know, and it's funny because this is where the better boyfriends Olympic stuff starts and like Kurt fans mm. versus Blaine fans. And it's going to be a nightmare in fandom until the very end and some, a little bit beyond. But it, when you, when I go back and I watch these episodes all the way through, it is way better that they did this. It's so much more satisfying that Blaine starts to become a real character, that this, this relationship starts to be more than the fairy tale that it was in season two, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mm-hmm. would agree with that. So. Um, so yeah. So, okay. So now that we're this far out now that the, the you know, the breakup happened seven years ago at this point, <laughs> it's crazy. 
how do we feel looking back on this time period as like, I'm, what do you guys think about, does the breakup make sense to you? Um, do you feel like it still isn't like something that feels logical or do you guys see it as something that feels a little bit more natural than it did before? I think um, I am still traumatized from being in fandom and being exposed to all the spoiler videos of the filming of it. Um, seeing people saying, hey, they're filming Glee and seeing all the videos going, yay, look at them in the park and they're filming a breakup scene. That was traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, as I've I've spoken about this before in other podcasts. I still find this first breakup a little harder to swallow than the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, in yes, sort of they did some some build up to it um, when Kurt left, and in the makeover, you know there was clues dropped, and and we knew you know they would have these troubles and they would have these issues. But I think it just from the writing point of view, the the abrupt manner in which it mm-hmm. happened. Mm. I still like. I'm still. I I can totally understand how Blaine would find himself in such in that situation. Um, Kurt, you know, he's off living the high life and he's being totally oblivious. I totally understand. That's Kurt. I get that Kurt is not actually seeing the impact that he's having on Blaine. And I see how Blaine could see him where everything is just. It's where everything is wrong, we can't fix anything and in a position where we don't stop ourselves from doing something really, really awful, but it still doesn't sit 100% right with me with Blaine's character at that point mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that he would make, that he would do that in that period of time. It so, just and, feels a little early to me in the season. Uh, yeah, just abrupt. That if it like, had been mm-hmm. kind of at their midpoint break, you know, episode eight or something like that, but yeah, I think but it would have felt a little bit more like if yeah. they had dragged that on so that you were really feeling the tension kind but of the same way that they had done with, you know, them getting together at original song where you had had these episodes of build up and there was so much tension. But then on the other they hand, could have done the same thing on the breakup. But as it happened, it felt exceedingly abrupt. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, been a part of an episode. Yeah, I don't think I would want to sit there and watch for ten episodes their yeah. relationship slowly disintegrate. Yeah, I was gonna say. I appreciate. I, on on the on the hindsight, I'm like, okay, this is really abrupt. It doesn't really sit right with me. But now they're broken up, and we can watch them start building back, back together. together. Right, and um, I, I I can appreciate that. Um, because yeah, like I would, I sort of narratively that could be really interesting. But I also don't want to watch, sit there and watch these two people <laughs> that I love just destroy each other for exactly. Yeah. Well, so maybe that's, maybe that's what it is, you know, narratively it probably would have worked better to have built it up looking in hindsight. Yeah. I'm perfectly okay with it happening within <laughs> yeah. just a couple of episodes. I think that, and I don't, how do I put this? I actually think that, when you go back and watch the second half of season three, there's a little bit more buildup to it than you might mm-hmm. expect, but it's yeah. a lot of background. It's like they told Chris and Darren, hey guys, we're going to break you up in the beginning of season four. And they kind of took that and like braided it into their character development. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I'm really, I actually believe that they did the same thing with season five, but we'll get to that in a minute. But Hell yeah. Um, they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it the the actual cheating and the breakup part does feel rushed. I agree with that. Actually, yeah. However, 
knowing Glee, again, this is kind of one of those times where I'm like, not you guys specifically, but I'm like, guys, look at how they did this with Finchel and Wemma. And, right. and like, this is stuff that they've already pulled before. They don't right. like leading up to breakups. They like to break them up and then get them back together again. And, and they like times. to do it together. I mean, they love having their very special episodes for whatever, and, you know, having them all happen together, that's such a glee thing to do, you know? Yeah. Um, we do need to talk about the one thing that I hate the most uh, between <laughs> in this period, because I don't think Mel's heard me rant about it enough, um, that tongue-tied montage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's like when you, send, when you send out the notes and you're like, um... Break up to the lead in Dance with Somebody, the break from Dance with Somebody, like the end of season three. And I'm like, this yeah. is like, they don't exist in the last five episodes of season three. They don't. They don't. There is no. <laughs> there's there something no there. There's not. And I mean, you get Dance with Somebody, and then graduation has a little bit. Yeah. But most of that stuff, I mean, because they're so tied up with this other, excuse me again, I'm sorry. Um, they're so tied up with all of these other narratives that they're like, yeah, we did the clean episode, but when you, it's kind of like when you take it all out and like, when you just distill the clean out of everything, I feel like it almost flows better because then you get some of the angsty stuff that happens around Valentine's day and then dance with somebody and then grad or graduation and then the breakup stuff. Yeah, it's still rushed, but it's there. Where I, I, I remember going into that final episode of season three, convinced they were going to break up in that episode. Yeah, I I still remember like watching it, going, "They're not. They they're gonna. They'll break up before Kurt goes." It was hundred percent. Like I I went into that with such a sinking feeling, like they're not going to last this episode. And then they lulled me in with a false sense of security, didn't they? They did. They were like, we're going to just do it later. I'm like, like, they're still together. Oh, it's okay. I was like, no, because four episodes later, they're going to like destroy us all. (laughs) Oh my God. But it's funny because, um, 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 you know, Finchel, I just, I love the story about Corey and Leah and they get the breakup episode script and they're like, well, we thought we already broke up. Oh my god! So at least we didn't have that. I thought they had I mean, already broken up. Yeah. Too. I mean, I think yeah. everybody thought they had already. Broken well, they up. did break up, but we're gonna break up again because mm, theme episode. And the other thing about the breakup that I, I, you know, I didn't really notice this until I was doing the stuff of the podcast is that it's basically one breakup story that they're telling in three different variations of, amongst these three couples. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's funny. While I don't mind necessarily the buildup. I still don't like the breakup episode, not because they break up, because I don't think Curtin Blaine's breakup portion in that episode is satisfying. I wish they had just a little bit more mm-hmm. resolution in that episode. But that's just my mm-hmm. two cents on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the same time, it's left open because then we can move forward. And, you know, here's my thing we're kind of moving past the breakup. From breakup to Glee, actually, you get you get Blaine. You get some great Blaine characterization in this. Well, this is where it sort of becomes Blaine's story. Yeah, and um, like get, Kurt's of Kurt, the part of Blaine's story. 
Yep. Yeah. In this sort of section. You also get, Kurt actually gets a, a decent amount of story too. Yeah. This is the last time Kurt's going to get any kind of individual storyline up into, um, pretty much up until like swan song because <laughs> really Kurt's swan song. Um, because Kurt after this point is never going to get a full arc within us in a series. He's going to get moments within episodes and, and arcs with, with Blaine or with the clean, mm-hmm. is it, but it's going to stop being Kurt's individual story. Um, but both boys being out of the relationship get some great character development and mm-hmm. as much of it, as much as it's angsty and painful during this time period there's some really really great story and great moments um and it 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 makes them a better couple to me anyway going forward into the stuff that we're going to get later on in the series mm-hmm. i don't know what do you guys think about this time period I mean, it certainly was a time period of a lot of uncertainty when it was when it was playing, you know, (laughs) that I I don't I I think we all had hopes that they were getting back together. But, um, you know, there had been conversations where Chris was like, I really just like having all this angst. It gives me something to really act against. And, you know. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we had hoped, but, you know, hindsight is now telling us that we are going to get them back together. It's just going to take the entire season. And it's, Yeah, to me, it was, to me real, the Thanksgiving episode was 100% confirmation to me uh-huh. that they would get back together. Mm-hmm. So, re- it was only, so, it was those sort of three, epi- there was the role you were born to play, which really only had, which was, oh, sad Blaine singing hopelessly devoted Aww. to you. I have so much love. He's so extra and I love it. I have the capacity to play the romantic lead like Danny Zuko. And I'm like, oh, Blaine, Danny Zuko's not who you should aspire to be. Um, <laughs> you know, and we had that really, really hard to watch moment conversation in Glee, which the two, which, Kurt needed to have that moment. He because he didn't obviously as mm-hmm. Pam didn't get that in the breakup. That mm-hmm. was the kind of conversation that perhaps could have um, played out in the breakup episode. And then we get the fantastic dynamic duets. Which yes, there's no Kurt, but as a Blaine episode, it's just fantastic um, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. And we get his perspective and we get his side of it. Um, and then it moves into Thanksgiving where we get that phone phone call and it's like. They're going to be okay. They'll yeah. However long it might take, I don't care. I'm okay now at this point because I know we're now going to be going, we're kind of back to that sort of season two kind of vibe where the two of them are going to build their friendship up together and they're going to make their way back to each other. Um, and, yeah, it's satisfying. It works. It does work. I think it works a lot better than sometimes people give it credit for. Yeah. Season mm-hmm. four has a lot of issues um, and it might be the most unevenly written season of the series, but it's got a lot of great stuff in it. It's got, it's, it's hard and it's dark and it's angsty, but I mean, the fact that we just keep getting, you know, it's going to keep getting better and better as the, as the season goes on. 
Um, I don't know. You're very, it just, and, and then the first half is actually, I think, well, a lot of the fun stuff happens in the second half of season four. I think we yeah. get just a lot of really delicious, great moments in the first half. So yeah. I do wish this, the Christmas episode would have been a little stronger. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, they are trying to stick five different forget plot lines in that episode. That <laughs> just like, Oh my God. But I think the it Christmas works. The Christmas episode is like all of the, them trying to use so many different characters, you know, and we're going to use them all in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what, we've already done the suit plot line twice more before. Let's do it again. Um, my goodness. But yeah. And then, you know, Christmas is a turning point. Mm-hmm. And we get into the second half of the season and I, it's the second half of the season. My God. Okay. So what did I say? What did I put? Did I do everything? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, there is a lot of great stuff with the clean stuff. It's just not enough stuff. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Mm. What do you mean? Okay. So unlike with season three, there was not a lot of stuff, but a lot of times that in-between stuff felt unsatisfying. Um, with season four, I think the episodes were better and stronger, but it didn't always, like, the clean storyline, I don't think, gelled as well, as much as it could have. Mostly because you're missing, it just feels like missing pieces are out of it. And this is, I think, when we got the highest amount of fill-in fic was during this time period and we and we got a lot of really great stuff but like when you look at let's like mush it all together and now the timeline issues are going to be a problem um but we got i mean we get the the christmas episode the valentine's episode with the girls and boys on film and then we get um wonderful that's our claim in this in the second half we get some Kurt storyline with Adam. We get some Blaine stuff with Sam. But even their individual storylines are not as strong as the first half of the season. So, yeah, we get this great... We get When we get Clayne on our screen, there's some really, really, really excellent stuff. But when they're not there... I mean, there's just like a lot, there's so much else going on with all of the newbies and all of these other plot lines and Finchel and Brody and... You know, it just feels very, very spread out and like missing a few beats like that stuff with Kurt and Adam. There's never any kind of resolution to that, you know. Well, I think I, I would say part of my impression is that season four lacks those background moments. Yeah. Particularly with the Clayne stuff, which helped tell their story through season three because you got to see little snippets of them throughout where they had small little stuff. And then you could also see them in the background kind of semi interacting as well. Um, And because Kurt is in New York, you're not seeing any of that kind of development. And so it did mean that we were really relying on these episodes to tell us what was going on rather than using other things to fill in gaps. I also think um, 
I see a comparison to this section to the start of season six as well in terms of what the two of them are each doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're each of them. They're standing like a little bit more on their own. Um, they're mm-hmm. finding the company of somebody else. Um, Kurt forms a relationship to sort of convince himself that he's over Blaine. He's fine. He's going to move on. He doesn't need him. Blaine mm-hmm. puts his emotions into Sam, and I think he does that because he knows. A, the feelings won't be reciprocated and therefore he can't actually fuck up and hurt somebody else again. It's a safe thing to sort of do because he's obviously, he's not really over Kurt either. Um, that mirrors, they, they, it's like a mirror image of each other in season six. Kurt um, forms the relationship with Karofsky in the belief that he's ready to move on from Kurt, like Kurt did with Adam. Um, I actually had to look up his name because I totally forgot Adam's character name when I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. I love it. I'm like, it's not Oliver. That's the actor's name. I actually could not remember him. And Kurt <laughs> does the same thing with Walter as Blaine did with Sam because I don't think Walter, he, Kurt ever saw Walter as an actual legitimate option for a partner. It was just somebody he could spend some time with. Um, and so they kind of do the same thing here as they do in season six when six when it's that um in terms of learning how to be alone as adults and learning how to be together as adults um and about this you know at this point they don't learn to do it properly or completely which is why the second breakup happens they <laughs> they don't get it right here as they do in season six and i think there, there there's a comparison to be made there I yeah, that's I agree with everything yeah. you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know the other thing it's kind of funny because like well and there's also first of all Kurt is there's like a half dozen episodes that either Kurt isn't in or he only has like one scene and there's no character development so it yeah. feels just like a lack of screen time. Blaine mm-hmm. hilariously enough is yeah he's in all these episodes but he's not you know, always doing things in them. Um, so he doesn't get a lot of the character development either. Um, but then, then you know, it, again, it's one of those things, you know, spread out, looking at it, like, you know, week after week after week, it, it becomes tedious and hard. But when you shrink it again and, again, distill all of the clean stuff into, like, you know, a 20-minute episode or whatever, <laughs> like, you know, a fan vid or whatever... It, it, I feel like it becomes much more satisfying. Like, or yes. even if you're just binge watching, it becomes much more satisfying because then you don't feel like, oh, okay, shooting star. Oh, okay, sweet dreams. Oh my God, lights out. You know, yeah, sure. it, it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can skip those three if you feel like mm-hmm. it, and you're not really missing anything with the narrative. And again, well, you know, oops, sorry. for every character, not just Klein, like really yeah. narratively, those three episodes, they just drag down. Yeah, um, it really. It's, just so that we can see um, Darren Christie in a pair of tiny green shorts. Really? Well, there you go. <laughs> That's all we need. That's all we need. Um, well, and then, so, you you know, when you, when you squeeze everything together, though, it, it, it is a lot better than I think people sometimes give it credit for. And yes. I also think that in a lot of ways, I mean, the, the second half of season four is fun in the way mm-hmm. that the end of season three, the second half of season three is just so tedious was, at times. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. yeah, I know Clayne was together and doing those those background moments and and yeah, but then the season four, at least we got to make up the the background stuff. I mean, there's so much creativity coming out of season four. Um, I, you know, so many really great fix that we got to to read and enjoy as a fandom. And I know that doesn't satisfy everybody. I mean, everybody wants you know, but we also we got you know the making out in the back seat of a car. Um, mm-hmm. We get the golden hula hoop of destiny. We get, you know, yeah, the absolutely destroyed hotel room after whatever. Oh my god! <laughs> exactly. Everyone down. <laughs> the, the high romance of come what may. Um, you know this and, assurance, and then, and then the wonderful episode. Yeah, it was wonderful. It, yeah, it's a lot to trudge through in some ways, but I think that, and it's not as narratively cohesive as season two, um, because season four is a mess. Just it, it really just is. But you can see the the kind of threads that they they were trying to do, and I think yeah, again, it, a lot of this had to do with Corey. A lot of it was external factors. Um, I think that at some point they were like. We've got these next two seasons. What are we going to do? You know, where are we going with this? I think they were just spinning their wheels for a while. And they, they weren't sure what they were doing. And then they have one of their stars having a, a, a problem that they had to help them through. And, like, I, I feel like as much as people get really upset over the writers about this one thing. Like, you didn't make Blaine do this in this episode. I'm like, it's like when you take a step back and be like, okay, there's all of these other issues going on. Mm-hmm. The fact that we got anything out of these last three mm-hmm. seasons and a lot of really good stuff out of these last three seasons. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm like, it's just, yeah, not as bad as you guys, not you guys, but you know, like not right. as bad as you guys think fandom. It's really not. Um, I think, I think making it, that's what the best thing is about this whole process, going back and re-looking at it with time has passed, separated from the insanity online and, and mm-hmm. things like that is that you can actually really appreciate the show. Like it was, you know, it had its issues, it had its flaws, but there was some really, really good storytelling in there with, with Kurt and Blaine, who were the, who were really the reasons why we're still here. Um, exactly. We love, there's other characters that we love and other things that we love about the show, but ultimately sort of they're kind of what's keeping most of us here. And their storyline is fantastic and it's done well and there's patches where it's like, okay, but in an ensemble show, you're never going to be the complete focus all the time anyway. Um, there was some like because I sort of remember sort of having that feeling that season four wasn't great because when you were first watching it the focus on all those the newbies that I didn't necessarily care about all that much Um, and then going back and re-watching it it's funny it's really funny and it's really enjoyable and you don't and in season and that's season three you don't get that that humor um Um, as much as you would, and I think that's why I appreciate season, season four more than right. season three, even oh, though it's broken up. Um, it's, it's funny and it's, it's interesting. Fun. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> the, the, yeah, I just, yeah, I really enjoy it. There's a lot to enjoy about this season. Yeah. Season three was, and I'm trying to think if I have an actual, like, are we, Starkey and I are going to do something a little bit like this. Um, Season three is so 
by the numbers. We've got sectionals, we've got regionals, we've got nationals are going to win. We've got all of these seniors, and this is where we want them to be at the end of the season. And we have this special episode we want to do, and we have this tribute episode we want to do, and we have to service all of these characters, and they just get, this person gets this episode here, here, here. And it's so pre-planned. It's almost lazy. And it's lacking any kind of humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just everything's so serious. I mean, Coach Beast is getting beat up. I mean, yeah. like Karofsky tries to commit suicide. It fit in Rachel's marriage. I mean, Jeff Goldblum is easily the best thing in season three. Like, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just not funny. It's not fun. But there's season, moments. There's moments here and there. Like, yeah. you know, um, and some hand hands, Kurt, hand hands. Um. <laughs> But there's a lot more of those moments in season four. Even with right. all the angst at the start of the season, there is still a lot more humour that's been injected into to all of the stories. And, and, I mean, hello, like Blaine's big angsty episode was, like, surrounded by them all dressing up as superheroes and running exactly. around the school. Like, it's oh, my little- goodness. And, yeah, I mean, I will I will be the first to say I still, years later, the new bees just bore me to death in season mm-hmm. four. They're easily. Oh, I love them. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, there are a few of us who do. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm, you know, and and Kay, I know Kay Blackdown Lennon. She really loves them too. And yeah. more power to you guys. I still, I'm like, eh, whatever, snooze, Charlie. I don't care. But um, but those new characters are allowed to be funny in in some ways that the older characters just you weren't allowed to. And Finn yeah. is really great in the season as their mentor. Yeah. And there's just a lot of really fun things in season four that were just missing by the time we got mm-hmm. to the end of season. And, you know, you get to like the end of season three and you're just like, Oh, thank God we're done with this. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, by the time they're like, you know what, our plans are getting thrown out the window. We're just going to just do whatever the hell we want. And we're going to see that even more going into season five. But um, one other question I'd like to ask you guys about this part of the particular series how do you guys feel about the lead-in into, because it's, again, abrupt, kind of like the breakup was, but it's kind of the reversal, not so much the reunion, which we all kind of knew was coming, but the engagement. How do you feel about the lead-in to that? Um, it was, I think there was a lot of trepidation. Mm-hmm. In fandom at the time, um, because it felt absurd <laughs> that yeah. Blaine was going to propose. And certainly with the end of um, season four, I mean, I certainly said, what on earth are you doing? This is going to go so poorly. You don't need to get engaged. You're not even together. Um that wasn't part of the um, get-together narrative that I needed or wanted from them. Yep. Um, and so it, it felt very, yes, very absurd. Um, the actual season five opening and the proposal was stunning and beautiful. And all yep. those kind of fears of this is going to go poorly kind of washed away. And... I mean, it was really well done. Well, you know, was the original plan to have it play out the way that it did in Love, Love, Love? Was it going to play out in that the original proposal wasn't going to work 
that it would stem them into to coming back together as a couple, um, you know, had not, you know, what happened during that that break between season four and season five not happened. It makes right. me wonder how it might have well, played out. And I always feel like Brian Murphy had gotten married and had a kid during season four. And I feel like that colored, like who knows how long they were going to drag out the, the clean breakup part. But then I feel like, you know, they got their last two seasons and they're like, you know, he'd just gotten on this, you know, I got married. I, I have this, you know, marriage equality kick that I'm on. Yeah. And I feel like that fueled the clean engagement mm-hmm. more than like narrative sense, because I, you know, and it, as much as I love, 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 and as much as I, I wasn't even as trepidatious as a lot of other people towards it. I'm like, oh, Blaine, you know, you are too young, <laughs> but whatever. This is a love story still. Yeah. Um, that, um, it doesn't make any sense. It makes like <laughs> what? But it, you know, it, it's um, it's fine. I think that's one of the fun things about Glee, though, is that it's just gonna take a left turn, and you're like, okay, we're doing this now. <laughs> and we're like, he's serenading him on the stairs of Dalton. We do not care. We go forth, live in the fairy tale. Exactly. Well, and I think that's another really cool thing, too, uh, is that, you know, whereas the first time kind of catapulted them into um, this adult narrative, there are the fairy tale elements that still retain throughout the rest of the series, Mm -hmm. and one of them is this proposal. I mean, again, this is now, you know, you get this fairy tale proposal, which is almost like a wedding in itself, and it's still a continuation of that original season two you know, kind of fairy tale narrative. And the fact that they kind of play off that going back and forth between this high fantasy and a uh, grown up real story, I, I think is kind of fun and interesting. It makes it a little bit unique that they continue to do that. I think, and like, even, like the reunion beforehand, like, I think that worked really well as, as yes, the two of them did. Back. Yes, it was. You know, it was slightly rushed in that we we were told that they'd have con- that they'd been having conversations about what had happened and and all those sorts of things and their expectations for the relationship. But um, you know, it worked um, that they had you know forgiven each other and they were in a position where they were ready to sort of step forward together. So, you know, the reunion scene worked really well, and then we just got that absolutely gorgeous. Um, engagement scene which you know even being like the fairy tale heightened romance Kurt walked into that with a realistic attitude he didn't he did. like you know, he had his conversation with Kurt and he knew where he stood and how he felt like he, he didn't go in to be overwhelmed by all of that he went in sort of aware of, of of all the parts and you know was still willing to move forward with that so mm-hmm. um yeah it was amazing it's still kind of fascinating to me that the proposal is an ending of sorts because you know proposals are usually one of those things that but it's still the middle of the story at this point when you yeah. like take the whole clean story and you put it together it's we're still freaking in the middle of it there's still gonna be fallout from the breakup stuff that hasn't been resolved yet we still you know and it's just I, it's kind of fascinating that that you know as messy as glee can be and as frustrating as their writing can be sometimes Looking at this unique kind of storytelling format, I'm all, I'm just really incredibly con- intrigued by it on a bigger, like, looking at this whole thing as a whole level. So. Yeah. Well, Glee always, I, I mean, I really do like that point because Glee takes these moments, these 
happily ever after moments. These huge romantic things like, you know, their first kiss, like their first time, like this proposal, which usually ends your show. And they mm-hmm. have them in the middle of things or at the first of an episode or the first of your season and then take it beyond that of looks to look to see how this is either going to go right or go wrong after that. It's really interesting. It's also kind of interesting and something that we talked about doing the wedding episode um, that Glee also has this kind of they like the big moments. Glee does big moments. They mm-hmm. don't really do the smaller moments very well because you look at it, you you've got you look at their first kiss their first time their um their proposal and their wedding what do we get after that nothing yeah <laughs> like until the next big thing comes along i mean so i mean yeah there are narrative threads that go through and nothing is like that season 2 bubble of when they are the only ones in their story um, but it's just Glee's Glee. It's, it's like, you can see the piece of paper. Okay. We're going to have this, 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 and this. Well, what about all this blank space? between? And don't worry about that. Finchel's going to talk about shares. It's fine. You know? And, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean like for all the people that get really upset that there's no follow up, it's just a pattern. Uh, unfortunately, that's where you write the fan fiction. That's where you mm-hmm. put in, you know, the sexy times yourself or the the conversations yourself or whatever you like to do. It's like when you learn, when you come to accept that about the show, then you can just kind of enjoy, uh, you know, we, we don't get, right. we're past background moments. We're past having, you know, their singular narrative together and only together. It's, you, you're going to have to get out of it what you're willing to put into it at this point. Okay, so kind of moving forward, um, let's talk about season five before we get to New York. And um, this is um, just yeah. Go ahead. That's how we. Oh, I was just going to say it's fascinating because Clayne is together, and they're communicating more, which I think is really kind of cool that they they tie narratives between New York and Lima a lot better now. Um, than they did in season four. Um, but it's kind of crazy how little Clean is actually in these first 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, um, there was a reason why we were doing ring checks because that was kind of all we had. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, they were, I, I liked that they showed that they were making an effort to speak to each other and keep in contact with each other. Um in in these sorts of episodes, but they also show that they're still not communicating really, really well. Like Blaine seeing that picture of Curtin Elliot, and he holds on to that information until he's actually been living in New York for an extended period of time before that little ditty comes out. Um, so, um, yeah, that. But and I suppose when they're in totally separate locations, how much can we actually get of of their relationship? Yeah. I, um, I'm grateful that they made the effort. Like, I feel like it's not as gaping holes as, like, season four felt. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we also don't really get a Kurt or Blaine individual storyline at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah, Kurt's got his band, but that's really a vehicle for Adam Lambert to be there. Um, and Blaine's not really doing much of anything. <laughs> except for hanging out with Tina and Sam sometimes. But Or talking to puppets. 
or talking to puppets. I mean, he does get that episode. Um, um, but it's yeah. kind of, I, and as much, I love season five. I mean, I talk about it all the time. Season five is maybe my favorite season of the show past the, the original clean arc. Um, but, um, like as in story arcs, this, but you know, we also got to put it in context, you know, their beloved cast member just died. Glee's mm-hmm. kind of not doing, except for the like Jarly Ryder stuff. They're not doing long, you know, arcs at this point. They're just kind of like, Hey, there's a hundred episode. Let's just vamp for a while and we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so. that may be because they've lost control of their own timeline and who knows where they <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) I do think it's a little stretched. I think like, you know, by the time we get after Christmas and it's like, come on, let's get on with it. We all know we're going to New York. Let's just get there already. Yes. Um, I mean, how could they not give us our final clean Christmas? Like that's the biggest crime. That's the worst part about this particular project. We did um, not get our final clean Christmas duet. Uh, I'm just gonna ignore that Christmas episode altogether. <laughs> pretend it doesn't exist. It does not. It did not happen. I How could they that show up? Like they like they set up this thing as it's our annual Christmas duet. Kurt actually says those lines to blank, like there are actual lines that have been spoken in the show. And they I wonder if the things would have been differently though. Had they, I think that that point they'd still were planning on a full season of season six, mm-hmm. and they were gonna have a final Christmas episode. Um, and this was like, well, this is the penultimate, because I can, this would play much better if it was a penultimate Christmas episode, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and then they'd have their real last final Christmas episode where things are whatever they are. Um, well, if they, they hadn't stuffed around with their timeline, they wouldn't have had to do this episode in the first place. If yeah, they, <laughs> God, they, they created this themselves. Um, that's what <laughs> <laughs> this section of the story, I suppose, is, is similar to that that end of season four as well. That there's there's not a lot about the two of them, but you know, there's some fun stuff there that yeah that we can enjoy and some silliness and also you know who knew Lima yeah. never had a zoo like yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, and again, like season four, season five is funny. I mean, yep. even yes. with this tragedy at the at the heart of it, there's a lot of really funny, funny things in it, and they remember that they're a comedy. Um, yeah. And um, no, clean is not the focal point, um, and they don't really get much to do, but. It, like, yeah. And then it's we get still... Kurt's friendship with Elliot, which is kind mm-hmm. of cool that we get to see that. Um, not enough of, you know, it was very small, but, you know, that was something. Adam Edwards. It was a, Kurt got a story that didn't involve Rachel. Oh, um, God. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot to enjoy about these episodes um, as just a general viewer as opposed to, Perhaps the clean flan, flan, clean flans. <laughs> the clean flan and it's all. <laughs> yes. Um. Oh gosh, we we really missed the boat on calling ourselves the clan of cleaners. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we did. So, um, but yeah, um, I, it's kind of, I guess, like, there's just not really a lot to say about it other than, like, always, we wish there could have been more, but at least the story narrative does, it makes sense. Like, there's nothing that it I'm does. like, 
oh, that came out of nowhere, or what are they doing mm-hmm. here? What it just, yeah. By the time they get to New Directions, it's like, oh my god, let's just get to New York. Um, as much as I like, like those first thirteen episodes for the most part, or twelve because we don't really count the Christmas one. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, let's talk about the New York arc. The golden years. Golden <laughs> era. Well, this is, you know, so when I was sort of talking about earlier on about the uh, the three parts of their um, their story, which I think are the strongest, this this sits in there as well. These um, this New York arc in terms of a clean story, and in terms of how it actually builds up to what happens in season six, mm-hmm. it's actually really really well developed. Yeah, like the, it, I, I watch this and go, you know what? Maybe the writers did have some idea as to what they, they were doing. <laughs> I I've been saying, you know what? And I I when I talk to people about it, I'm like, you know, look, season four was the new Rachel through New Directions, and then mm-hmm. season six was New New York through Dreams Come True. There was no season five really. Um, mm-hmm. It was just two big seasons, season four and season six. Yeah, um, but if, yeah. good. If you watch. If you watch these six episodes here and then straight into season six, it feels like a cohesive story. It makes sense. It's mm-hmm. set up. It's set I still. I remember, like, watching that tested episode and I was, after watching it, I was left with this, like, oh, shit, they're in trouble. Yes. yes. Um, Even the, um, um, the last one of the season, like, they were together. It just felt ominous. It yep. did. I mean, I just had this feeling in my stomach. I'm like, oh, something's coming, isn't it? It's. Mm-hmm. Mm. But the thing, the thing is that like, but they were so close and together, and I don't know. It's kind of funny because there's this duality going on during this time period, and I think this is one of the most complex, complexly written parts of the whole series. I don't think Glee was like the epitome of depth <laughs> for most of the series. But in the New York arc, we got grown-up stories. We got grown-up complications. We got Kurt and Blaine acting like a young couple who've got this baggage now of all of this other stuff that's happened for it. Um, and they're trying to work through it. And they, and at the end, the, you know, season five, so a lot of people say that, you know, the end of season five, you know, I would have been happy if that was the end. And like, it is so unresolved though. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I can't have season five without like, you know, I, I don't remember uh, who I was talking to. I don't know if it was you, Mel or somebody else, but somebody was like, Oh, I watched all season five. Now I have to watch season six. It like, was, um, you- it was Z the dog Mark when we were doing that. Oh, right. Right. She said that she'd watched that episode and then had to continue on and watch like the first six, seven, ep- like the first half of season six up until to the wedding because it didn't feel complete right unless she did that and it's true like it 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 really is true um but it's yeah it's just yeah it, it's and because you know the and I think the reason why this arc is so strong is because it is that reduced number of characters mm-hmm. um we've got all that excess have gone and we can focus on this core group um of characters in New York and it works it's just really really it's, you know, one of not necessarily like it's not even just sort of one of the best arcs of Clane. It's like one of the best arcs in the entire series. Yep. Um, in terms of like writing and, and the episodes and, and everything. It's just, it's a really, really great. And it's only six episodes. <laughs> so I'm sort of looking at the page here. Pardon? Seven episodes. Oh, okay. Which one? So, what have I said? You're missing New York, Crash, Testers. Yes. Yep. Opening, opening night. night. 
Old Dog New Tricks. Back Untitled Very Project. Backup Plan. Oh, I forgot Backup Plan. Yeah. Um, yeah, so seven. But still, it's – and what frustrates me the most is that we missed out on two because they pushed production back. So we probably would have gotten two more. I'm okay with the shortened season six. In fact, I think that works better as a shortened season. I don't even want to know what nonsense they would have gotten up to in a full season of that. But um, season, you know, the end of season five. And, you know, personally, this is kind of the show I always wanted too. I mean, I know some people are the of mind that, you know, I, I like the high school hijinks. I like them being in high school is what I, drew me to it. But for me, like seeing these young characters in college kind of dealing with their relationship issues and their career issues and all of this, I'm like, this is just so much more satisfying to watch than, yeah. hey, we're going to do another regionals episode. Like, yeah. God. As I say, like we have these characters, we fall in love with these characters. We want to see these characters' entire lives. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's what always I like with like TV series that like end with a finale that provides you with those flash forwards of like everybody's lives. I'm mm. like, yes, that's what I want. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I just, yeah, you just crave every, you want everything about these characters. Um, which is why fan fiction is so amazing because we can get that. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, like as you guys were saying before, the fact that the narrative is, you know, we get clean stories in, in the majority of the episodes. They're mentioned, like every episode, you know, except for really opening night has a clean story in it. Um, these characters, uh, you know, I will say the, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, but, I, I do think that there's a lack of individual stories for Kurt and Blaine from mm-hmm. here all the way to the end. But at this point, I think the writers are seeing them as a unit. Their stories are entwined, whether they be individual or not, no matter what they do, th- their story is together at this point. Um, which as a fan is the, of the couple, um, I, I appreciate here at the end of the series. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I love it, and we have American Boy. Yes, <laughs> reminds me, which reminds me of prom queen, and then they sing and they dance, and Kurt stimulates oh, sex. Awesome, it's the best. You know, and they get to be adult characters in this, yeah. and, they, and they really get to be, um, you know, and as much as there was some tension there, and as much as there's kind of angstiness there, we get a little bit of snippets of you know when they're together like that ending of the, the entitled Richard Berry project this is what yeah. their life is going to be like yeah like this is how yeah. they are going to be when we don't see them anymore um yeah. and so yeah it didn't necessarily work you know in this particular time period but yeah. you it still gives you the foundation of it will work they just have one more thing they have to get through yeah. you, you even like, exactly why they were so good together, you know, in those seven episodes of them being together, of working together, of enjoying each other. There was just an underlying layer of things are still quite rocky between them, and they mm-hmm. haven't quite figured out how to work through that. Yeah. But, but it didn't like, lose. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mel. No, it's just like, like you were saying, like we get to see how they'll be like happy with each other and relaxing on the couch to each other. But we're also going to get those glimpses. You know, Kurt's going to get pissed off at Blaine when he uses his soda stream. And that's probably going to continue happening throughout their entire relationship, regardless <laughs> of how they 
And, you know, I like that we start getting that roundness in in their relationship. It's not just straightforward. They are living the fairy tale. It's not just it's all angsty because they've broken up and they can't talk to each other. We're getting them as a complete and whole unit. This is this is yes. what they're gonna this is what they're gonna bicker over, you know. They're gonna but then they're also gonna chill out on the couch together and do this, and they're gonna wander to the flowers um, farmers market and buy flowers together, and mm-hmm. and and that's and that's really really lovely to see. Yeah, especially when we're not gonna see a lot of that in season six. It's no. it's Glee again. It likes to play with narrative, like part of it it's because they're just crazy and they're like hey this is an idea we're gonna do right this second but when you really kind of look at it a whole it's interesting they'll give you parts of the story just out of order than you are used to watching it um so right we have a proposal that's actually a wedding Mm -hmm. in the middle of the series in the middle of the story in the middle of the series (laughs) and then they're gonna break up and (laughs) you're gonna get back together and the wedding that's gonna happen is not going to be the wedding you think you're going to have. Yeah. But, you know, well, let's move into season six. And I, you know, it's kind of funny because I struggled with season six breakup way more than the season four at the time. But now that I'm, uh, you know, long time past, now that I've met it through it, they've written a story through it. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially with a lot of things that people thought were external factors, like Chris's acting or whatever. It wasn't. It, it is totally a narrative thing. Um, and the thing about season six, Clayne, that I actually really, really love is that you get these two characters, you get them coming together on the same page in a way that they haven't been, I will say, all the way back to the first time. And you get the actual resolution to the story that's been started all those years ago. And yeah, do they fumble the wedding episode? Yeah, you, they kind of do, but everything else up to that point is just so wonderful. And, and they get all of this stuff, unlike season three and the season four breakup, which felt like so much space in between and we don't get very many. And it's kind of like, well, okay, now they're making out in a car. It's a mm-hmm. very organic and natural mm-hmm. movement to the wedding episode. And I I appreciate it so much more now that yeah. we're way farther past the, the now that we're I four years out. Fandom played a massive role in how we went into to this arc. Like because the news came out that Blaine was going to be dating Karofsky and people went insane and you know you get sucked up into those things online but in hindsight you know these the first seven episodes um are one of the best written strongest clan arcs of the series so along as i was saying along with their first episodes in Mm -hmm. season two and the new york arc this is like one of the strong a really really strong arc because we get so much from both of them um and right up until that rushed reunion like the timing and the build-up you know we just got to watch this beautiful reunion story um and it's actually really, really, really well done. The the from loser life me up until transitioning um, is fantastic in terms of their story. Yeah, by um, by the time of this, um, so by the middle of season four, I had gone spoiler free because okay. fandom's reactions to spoilers drove me bonkers. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, the I overreaction wish- to everything, to snippets of audio where people were flipping out and then it would play out in the episode and it wasn't nearly as ominous or terrible as people were making it out to be. And I said, yeah. that's it. I can't do it. 
So I was pretty spoiler free, although a little bit of Blaine dating Karofsky started filtering through because people were so mad and they weren't filtering very well. Um, But it really, like, I felt like my perceptions going in and watching the show was different because I had no preconceived notions of what I was expecting to see. So I was just watching the show as the writers were presenting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I blame dating Karofsky felt so organic and natural for me watching it. I'm like, oh, Karofsky, well, that's an interesting choice. But look at how, look at the circumstances of why we're here. And okay, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So. Yes. So the um so everything felt a lot more um natural and flowing better um because I didn't I didn't have all of the biases that fandom had prior to yeah. starting season 6. Yeah. I actually I went like I remember sort of I before season 6 aired was and you know everything started blowing up and I got sucked into it for a period of time and then sort of went nuts. Nah. And I remember going on this massive unfollowing binge because I'm yeah. like, I don't negativity in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was apprehensive. I'm like, how? It was more so going in, knowing that it was Karofsky, it was going in and going, how are they actually going to make this work? You know, like this yeah. from what Karofsky was. But they did. And it works. Mm-hmm. And it, it was entirely, we were watching an entirely different Karofsky. Um he himself had obviously he'd gone through his own story and his own healing and he had changed his character as had both Kurt and Blaine. Um, and it made sense and, mm-hmm. and it worked. Um, and I have no qualms about it being Karofsky at all. Any like, I don't yeah. either. And I'm in the speaking of somebody who in season two said, if Karofsky joined the Glee club, I'll stop watching the show. Um, Oh, yeah, that was before I joined fandom. But I was like, yeah, if this character, because I had such a bad reaction with his bullying because of stuff in my own personal life. Um, uh-huh. it, I just yeah. have always had a very bad reaction to Karofsky. And so it was just, just when I got this news, that he was going to be dating Plain. I was like, this just, it didn't, I mean, some people, it's like, this ruins Clayne forever. And like, that didn't do that to me. But I was still like, what the hell are they thinking? They're just being yeah. mean to us. But um, no, I don't actually think that now. I think that they like Max Adler, they like the character, and they wanted to bring him back. They Did they know it was going to piss us off? Probably. But um, <laughs> this was the, at the point where they're breaking all the fourth walls, and they are, you know, doing things. It's, it's, they ended the show on their terms. We might not have liked every decision they made, or a lot of the decisions they made, but they wanted to end the show their way and so they did and i think when you kind of take away those expectations that you wanted of you know a whole season of curtain lane wedding planning or whatever the hell that you want um and see the story that they wanted to tell you can either accept it and appreciate the good stuff that we got out of it or you know really look at your you know if you that's just not for you then you may need to make your peace at this is just not the story you wanted it to be and move on um I have found a deep appreciation of season six. I mean, yeah, there's still a stupid Sue episode in it. Yeah, the wedding episode could have been a lot better. Um, but And I love the wedding episode just as it is. See, there I you do. go. Yeah, You great. know, I was one of those who watched it, and I 
loved that it was completely drama free for them, that it was completely not the wedding that either of them planned. And yet they were happy at the end of it. And I, I, I loved it. So I love that take on it. I like that. Yeah. I, and I go in my, you know, my issues that I have with the, the wedding issue with the, we did a wedding episode and a script episode and I don't need to hear me rehash it. Let's end it on this good news. You know, but the nice thing is that you get them married and then you have a nice epilogue episode. Is the finale everything that I wanted it to be? No, but I do think that it makes sense and it is a nice way to give that happily ever after. You know, here you get this this adult story of them coming back together and going off into the world as adults, which is another thing I liked about season six. Kurt and Blaine felt like adults instead of kids now, um, which was nice. But um, you get the fair, end of the fairy tale and they live happily ever after and they have a kid and they have happy careers and they're fine. Yeah. I think, like, I love it. I think I'm, you know, I'm going to call that I'm totally happy with the ending that we got with them. I reckon that it's perfect. In terms of like, we have them being successful in all sorts of things. I like that they have they're doing stuff together, but they also are doing stuff by themselves, which is sort of what they've been working towards throughout the whole series mm-hmm. about how you can be on your own, but also be with that person. And they're just they're fabulous together, but as their own person, they're also incredible. Um, and they're having a baby. Like I would have loved to have been able to actually see them with their daughter. Okay, I know oh. that. that that line was cut from the actual episode, but the baby girl is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> did you, did you have imagined one of them doing that final number wearing like a baby Bjorn? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish. I'm yeah. like, if there's my one wish for that finale, I wish that that last song had been with their child and not with yeah. Yeah, the 50 other kids in this class. I get why. I mean, because Glee is all about the music education stuff. Um, yeah. But it would have been I, a I little more satisfying. I was thinking about the, um, um, the final song. Because oh. Rachel's had the baby at that point. Oh, that's You can right. actually, because she's not pregnant any longer, and so you know that the baby's been born at that point. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine one of them running out with a little tacket strapped to their chest? Oh, my God. I would just not be able to handle that <laughs> at all. Or Papa Kamal holding the, his grandchild, yes. you know? It could have been lots yeah. of different ways. Yeah. So, I... I mean, plain having kids is not necessarily the something that I needed for them. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it's sort of, as you were talking about, of Ryan Murphy having gotten married, having kids, and wanting this kind of reflection of LGTP, people can have that, you know? And yeah. so it, it, it serves that purpose, and so it doesn't surprise me um, that they are having kids at such a young age. <laughs> Well, you know, I didn't even. I'm gonna. They're not that young. I mean, they're young, but they're not that young because it's five years in the future, isn't it? Yeah, it's like they're 25, 26. So it's. I mean, Kurt's 21 in season six, so he's 26. And but I will say this. Yeah, it's not like they're having it at 19. We we never really talked explicitly, nor do I think we needed to talk about the fact that this is a gay romance that we're talking about. Yes. Um, we've completely, at least in my head, we've, like, we were talking about two characters, not two gay characters, two characters, but um, it is, I think, important in retrospect when you're looking at the context of the show and the time period it was on, that we talk about the fairy tale elements in, in you've got mm-hmm. two gay characters, two members of the LGBT community who get this, you know, 
normalized heterosexual fairy tale story for themselves and get to be treated like real characters in a real relationship. And I mean, you know, there are so many fandoms out there that I, I see that are built on all of these non-canical LGBT romances and mm-hmm. uh, which, okay. And then they get upset at like a showrunner, you know, uh, when, when that, that, you know, I'm just thinking of like Faberry or something like, why aren't you making Faberry? But the fact that you don't have to do that, like you have these characters, um, as a minority and are having what is traditionally given to, you know, the heterosexual couple. I think it's great and it's brilliant and it may not be perfect as, you know, as the curtain blame deem themselves perfectly imperfect. The story is perfectly important, perfect, but you can't really write a perfect story anyway. So. Yeah. And Glee never tried to either. No, Glee did whatever the hell it wanted to. And I have a little bit more respect for that now that I'm older um, or farther behind it. Or I I don't know. It's weird because I'm less, you know, I think it's something that when you're in the throes of fandom and, you know, it's, oh, this spoiler is causing us to yell about this. And there's people people over here don't like this people over here. And, and when you're just so far removed from it and when you can get sit back and on a DVD player go through the entire series and watch all the parts that you want in a matter of a couple days, you get your story and it's not, it's not as bad as you guys think it is. <laughs> like again, <laughs> not you guys specifically, but um, there's a really, really lovely story there. And I think, do you think, do you guys think that Clayton will hold up in, in 10, 15 years? Yes. Well, they're still holding up now. They're still appearing in like, there was something quite recently, wasn't there, about, like, the best first kisses or something like that, and they're still on there. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's boding well for them still being um, up there as one of the most iconic car- like couples in, in fiction. TV history. Yeah, yeah, I think they, they are. <laughs> I think they deserve rightfully to be. I think this was it, – it was a really kind of amazing journey to, to take. Mm-hmm. Um so let me ask you guys kind of as a uh, kind of wrap up questions. What is something that you would have done differently? And what is your favorite aspect of the, the clean story as a whole? Um, Can't ask me that question and not, I will need to prepare for that. That's, oh my God. I know, <laughs> right? I feel on the spot here. <laughs> You just yeah. put that in in your email. Oh, you guys know <laughs> I throw this stuff at you. It wasn't. I'm sorry. Oh right, well, just, just like somebody asked me, like, what's your favorite movie? I can't answer that question. Oh um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, let's take it one at a time. Let's take one question. If you guys could have changed one thing in the story of Clayton, where where would you have changed it? What would you have changed? <laughs> One, I, um, I probably, as I um, mentioned earlier, I probably would have moved the breakup a couple of episodes down to allow breakup. just a little bit more the first breakup. The first breakup. Mm-hmm. That rather than doing it as the fourth episode, I'd have done it probably as the eighth episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you've broken me. I'm sorry, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't work on the spot. I have to, like, this is why I, like, sit down and, like, write. <laughs> like, before I do pot, like, seriously, most of the things I've said today are, like, written in front of me because I've sat down oh and I've goodness. thought about it. <laughs> Sorry, Mel. I've broken Mel. Okay, well, you don't have to answer if you want to. What would I change? Um, I'm just trying to, like, I'm not sure how, like, I would want to, to, in terms of what we've spoken about is that how we have a huge moment with them, we have a really good period, and then they disappear. Yeah. Somehow have that changed within the narrative. Like, you know, um, in particular, this final in season six, the second half of senior si- season six, where they become follow up, basically non-existent. They've just gotten married, and that nothing. Um, yeah. I feel like that's a good answer. Having some having some glimpses of them living together again, just to see how that's actually playing. You know, where were they living after they got married? Oh, God. Uh, that, who knows? <laughs> maybe they were living with Bert until they moved yeah, to New York. Just, or in that, in that, maybe Kurt moved into that apartment. Granted, yeah. I don't know why he'd want to live there after it was, but yeah. There's was, something else, like some in, more like the interactions with family, particularly yeah. blanks. That could have been interesting. Okay. Um, me personally, they should have made out during tongue tied. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, no, really, it's a, a lot of what you said, Mel, actually, is my one thought is that the follow up, like they have these big moments. Um, I wish we'd have seen some of the the quieter moments, especially in the later seasons. I think it would have been yeah. just a, a beat here and a beat there uh, just to fill in the blanks a little bit would have been what I yep. mostly would have changed. So, um, OK, so like what? How about I phrase it this way? What is it about Clayne that in the story that you feel resonates, especially to you? And why is, you know, why are you still here talking to me about it four years after the show's ended? Because uh, I obsess unnaturally over things. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> um, I think it's because. It's a combination. One, okay, um, I am a total sucker for that that romantic story. Like, I love the escapism of that, and to me, that's what their story is. Mm-hmm. Um, why I'm still here is because I made you. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's the reason why I'm still talking about them, and I'm still is because there's other people who feel the same way, and I can interact with them, and yeah. that's and that's why. I'm still involved in it today because there's other people who still who love them as love the show and appreciate that relationship as much as I do. Um, and so I can still involve myself in it. And they're just so pretty. Yeah. I like that they're them. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah. And I'm a massive Darren Chris fan, so that probably plays into it as well. Cool. There's only so many things of his that I can I can watch. Yeah, you can only watch, you know. She's most likely like three times, and then you're like, "No, I can't yeah. do this anymore." Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've actually never seen it all the way through. But anyway, oh. <laughs> fun fact: it's actually it's still <coughs> Imogen. It was released as Imogen here. They didn't change the name here. They didn't really. No. Oh, no. oh, really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
So, so what about you, Julia? What, what kind of final thoughts do you have? Yeah, I, I was, I was thinking about this of how, you know, I've been in different fandoms for 20 years, you know, for a really long time. And I tend to fade away from them. You know, I'll, I'll follow, I'll be passionate about them for a couple of years and then I find a new one. And so it's felt really unusual to me that, you know, I've been part of loved Clayne and been part of a fandom now for nearly 10 years. Um, And so I, I think part of it is what Mel was saying is that the fandom certainly, certainly is a big portion as to why I've stayed around because I've met so many wonderful people who love them as much as I do, who bring insights into their relationship and, you know, um, share wonderful works of art and fic and videos and songs and, you know, all of this that really made engaging with fandom so much fun. All of the meta, all of the, the, the theories that we had just really created such a wonderful place um, to be a fan. Um, but it also comes down to this heart of um, these two men just watching them fall in love. The story felt so realistic to me. Um, and it just was something that really touched my heart. And it was during a period of time when I really needed an escape um, mm-hmm. and something that I could um, just enjoy. And Glee was that, and Clayne definitely was that at that time, too. And so it was something that really meant a lot to my heart as well. Oh, that's very sweet. You guys had very nice, touching things to say on the spot. So that's that's very nice. Don't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Next time I will throw my curveball. I will write my curveball questions in the email. Like, oh my God, you don't understand. Like when I have to like make a parent phone call at work, like I have to like prepare myself and then like write down dot points of what I need to say. Oh no, I'm sorry. (laughs) See, and I just spiel and talk until you guys tell me to shut up. Um, You know, for me, kind of like you, Julia, I needed glee and needed this escapism and, and, and fell in love with these characters. And, you know, I've often talked about how seeing a little bit of Kurt in myself and, a lot of Chris Culver and myself, but that's irrelevant. Um, and the, the thing about this is that you, you know, the nice thing that's, I, I think it will hold up because I think, you know, stepping away, like all things, TBD is going to end at some point and it'll be interesting to step away and come back. And it's like falling in love with the characters all over again and being able to say and like read your favorite book or watch your favorite movie and just, it was a wild ride being in fandom while it was happening, but I think this post fandomy like community that we have built has been amazing and and so supportive and and just a lot of great, intelligent, amazing people that I've had the pleasure of meeting and and communicating and experience their art and 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 just being involved in this fictional world that has meant so much to everybody and Mm -hmm. and to me, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, ridiculous, crazy 
heartwarming story um, that's always going to be a part of my heart. And um, that's what it, that's, I mean, to be able to do a podcast like this and have you guys listen and join in and has been such an honor. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Um, On that note, um, I, I, you know, I want to thank you guys for coming out and especially again, Julia, uh, doing this last minute is, is quite amazing. Um, and it's, you know, just taking a look at clean and, and looking, I think there is some merit to taking a step back and looking at everything on a bigger picture and, and, oh yeah, we get so like entrenched in all of these little details and, and to be able to look at this as a whole and as a whole story is something that I had been looking forward to do. So I, I really appreciate yeah. you guys coming out and talking to me about that. So, um, have it. always, um, uh, so that kind of wraps up this episode. I don't know what's coming up because we keep <laughs> moving the schedule around. Um, but we will be back next Sunday with something interesting, hopefully. Um, and yeah, so that kind of wraps it up for tonight and we'll see you next Sunday.